0: Thank you everybody for, uh, for joining tonight. And I also want to thank uh, Sarah for introducing me to Rod and Rod for opening the doors and uh, share this beautiful wisdom that I receive from my teachers uh, and to share it with more and more people that I hope you guys will benefit from it as well. So, a little bit just about myself. My name is Daniel. I was born in Israel. Uh, I grew up in Germany. I uh, found out about Kabbalah actually through my parents. Uh, that picked up randomly a book at the bookstore, and the whole family got into it. Uh, I started my journey with the Kabbalah Center as a full-time volunteer and teacher about uh, 10 years ago. Uh, My first two years were spent in the Kabbalah Center in London. With my um, German background in in Hebrew, I was in charge of study groups over there in Europe, in German-speaking countries, and the last eight years I was then in Los Angeles, um, got married about a year, year and a half ago, uh, and moved just recently, about three months ago, to, to Dallas. We have a location in a Kabbalah center in Dallas uh, with other four teachers, so me and my wife. And um, now put in charge of the Houston uh, Kabbalah study group, uh, now location on Shepherd. So uh, I, use, I come here every other week to teach classes, to meet people, to guide people one on one and uh, share this beautiful wisdom with ever anybody that is interested. So I'm really happy to be here, and thanks again for opening the doors. And uh, what we want to learn tonight is really just the tip of the iceberg. As probably a lot of you know already, that Kabbalah is a very ancient wisdom, and it talks about all facets of life. To study it by itself, it's an endless study, right? It's endless, it's lifelong. So to walk out tonight and thinking, oh yeah, I know everything about Kabbalah, probably not, right, probably not, but at least I can share with you hopefully a taste, to give you a taste of what it can be, and more importantly, the, the approach of the Kabbalah Center is a very practical one. So besides the knowledge and the intellect, we want to always ask, how is it changing my life? How is it making a difference in my life? So hopefully you can get a taste for it tonight, and maybe explore more on your own, or I'm here for any questions. So you guys ready? Okay, Kabbalah is often known also as the best-kept secret, right? If you know a little bit about the history, we know that, you know, it wasn't open up. It wasn't open for the masses up to not too long ago, right? And all sorts of myth, all sorts of reasons, a lot of times it came from religious establishments that were quite frankly afraid of the impact of Kabbalah. They didn't know what to do with it exactly. Because part of what Kabbalah does, it gives you the tools and the wisdom to empower yourself. So if you don't need the priest, you don't need the rabbi anymore, right? If you get the tools to take control over your life, some people weren't so keen about that, right? So it was kept a secret for a very long time, but we enter different times now. And all the times where people... You know, the age of information, the age of Aquarius, also known for that. Wisdom is out there. Wisdom is out there. Or as it says in scripture, you know, there will be a day when the knowledge of God will be revealed. Everybody will know the knowledge of God, right? That's the time that we're in now. And that's why Kabbalah is open up to the masses these days. So I want to spend just a little bit on the history. uh, Just because if we know, we have some background and understanding where something is coming from there's a higher chance we can appreciate it more, right? As opposed to, I would tell you, you know, this Kabbalah thing was invented just recently. You know, I came up with it. Uh, Probably not so much credibility, right? So um, just to share with you a few points about that, and then we'll get into one or two um, teachings of Kabbalah that hopefully you can take with you and, and use it in your life. You guys with me? Okay, let's go ahead. So the historical timeline, and this is, I apologize for the presentation here. We usually had it better up on the, on the screen. There's a few things missing, but I can summarize, summarize it for you. So, one of the first, what is not on the slide, and I will share with you. One of the first Kabbalists was known to be actually, I'm sure all of you have heard this name before, Abraham, the biblical Abraham. Um, he wrote a book called Sefer Yetzirah, the Book of Formation, about 4,000 years ago. And in it, described, it's really not long. If you see it, we still have it today. If you see it, it's really not that many pages. And in it, really, it has all the secrets of the universe. All the secrets of reincarnation, all the secrets of astrology, all the secrets of relationship, the secrets of the journey of our soul and our purpose here. However, it's very, very cryptic. If you try to understand it today, very, very cryptic. Yet Abraham knew those secrets of the universe. Abraham knew what the purpose of life is really all about, right? He was the one that discovered there is a system out there. Life is not random, right? Before that, people believed in many different gods, many different things. He realized there's a spiritual system in how the universe operates. He was the first one to reveal it and actually starting to have followers and teaching people about the laws of the universe. That was about 4,000 years ago. Later on, of course, we know Moses, 3, 000, around 3,400 years ago, the revelation of Mount Sinai. What the Kabbalists teach is that that wasn't an establishment of a religion on Mount Sinai, but it was a revelation, a revelation of the secret code of the universe. Yes, it, the five books of Moses were revealed, the Torah was revealed. Within it also, orally given all the secrets of the Torah, that weren't documented yet. So The Kabbalists teach that there are a few ways to interpret the Torah. It's what's called pardes. It starts with pshat. Pardes is the acronym for the four different levels of interpreting the Torah. So the first level, which is pshat, which is the literal sense, right? You see it up here? Yes. The literal way to understand it, right? You just read the story. I just read the story. What do we have in this week's portion? Oh, um, the last three plagues, right? Of going out of Egypt. So do we read, you know, one plague is darkness, one plague is this one. That's a literal story. Or the literal story of Abraham binding Isaac, right? Some of the stories are nice, right? Genesis and so on. Some of the stories don't make any sense, right? If you take them literally, they don't make much sense. If anything, you know, my teacher, the Ravberg, would always say, you could make you know, the greatest, uh, the greatest uh, movies out of the stories of, well, today they are, right? Exodus, Noah, right? But some of them are like horror movies, right? Some of them you could make like uh, really wild stories. So the Kabbalah said there's deeper levels, of course, to understand it, more than the literal sense. The second level, which is Remez, which means uh, hints, okay, or clues, This is what we read in the Midrash. It gives us further hints what actually happened, what was the story behind the story. Another way, in a higher level to understand it, is what's called drash, which are more like metaphors, or what we read in the Gemara, in the Talmud. It's different ways, deeper ways to understand it. And then there is what's called the highest level, the sod, which is the secret. And this is what the Kabbalists are busy with. So much so that the Kabbalah say it's very difficult to understand the lower levels without understanding the secret, which this is what Kabbalah is about. Kabbalah deals with the secret level. So, so far so good? Yes? So the secret level, we have the book called The Zohar that was written about 2,000 years ago by a man called Rabbi Shimon Ba Yochai. And he actually... About 2,000 years ago, in Israel, with the Roman Empire, uh, anything that was spiritual, anything that had to do with religion was banished. Right? You couldn't study it. So he ran away with his son, Rabbi Elazar, into a cave. As the Zohar says, for 13 years they were hiding there. And in those 13 years, Elijah the prophet came to them and teach them the secrets. Moses the prophet came to him, teaching him the secrets. Later on when he came out of that cave, he gathered his students and his friends and together the 10 of them in the cave called the Idra Rabba, still visible in Israel today, uh, they came together and documented, and wrote down those secrets. And this is one volume, by the way, of the Zohar. Today, after many years of hard work, uh, this great wisdom was actually put down in in. in in a way that we can study it it 's also today with the, with the English translation as well, and as well with the Aramaic text, so it 's divided by the portions of the week and the Kababba teach, beside it being a great source and the main source of Kabbalistic teachings, it also bind within itself, contains great energy, great positivity this book so this is everything that we teach at the Kabbalah center is nothing new, nothing is invented. Everything comes, goes back either from the sources from the Zohar or later on, about 400 years ago, there was another great Kabbalist that set a huge milestone, um, the man by called the his nickname, or Rabbi Isaac Luria. The Kabbalah that we teach also named after the Lurianic Kabbalah because he was the first one, really, after Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai to understand, really, to interpret the Zohar right. Actually, the Kabbalists teach that dari was a reincarnation of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It's the same soul that came over, and actually this, the same spark of Moses that reincarnates in those generations. This, the same spark that reveals those secrets. And the Ari put down, and we'll learn about it to, tonight as well a little bit, about the structure of the Tree of Life. He was the one to, to bring it down to a level that, more, pe- more structured way, that more people can understand it. So we teach from the Zohar, we teach from the writings of Dari, we're teaching from the writings of Rav Ashlag, who is the founder of the Kabbalah Center, is the teacher of the teacher of the Rav Berg, and uh, who took the writings of Dari and again interpreted them in a level that more people would have access to. He was the first one to cri- start the revolution of trying to bring Kabbalah to the masses. He established the center in 1922. And his student was Rav Brandwein, his successor. And the Rav Burke is the was a student of Rav Brandwein. So that's a little bit about our lineage, the lineage of the center. And hopefully it can help you understand better where the stuff is coming from that we're teaching. Of course, today we can with the modern language that we share we can, that's the beauty of it, that we can take such complex um, teachings that maybe in the past only a few scholars had access to, but now with the advancements of technology and everything else, try to, you know, if you try to explain uh, 2,000 years ago, which is mind-blowing because the Zora states 2,000 years ago that there are seven continents, that the world is round and not flat, But if you would mention it to somebody even a thousand years ago, what would they tell you? You're crazy, right? You're absolutely nuts, right? So that's why the Zohar was way ahead of its time. The Kabbalists were way ahead of their time. But today, of course, with advancements and everything, so much easier to explain concepts that at those times were very difficult to convey. You guys follow me? Okay. So that's a little bit about the history. Now, also what many people don't know is that Sir Isaac Newton also had his personal copy of the Zor translated into Latin and still available and archived in Trinity College in Cambridge. And by some historians also quoted as Christian Kabbalist of Sir Isaac Newton. And he was inspired, he was influenced by this wisdom, as many great minds were that we don't know about. But the Zohar had great influence in, in history and you know, of great thinkers. One of the examples that I want to share with you how you know, maybe Isaac Newton was influenced and inspired by it as well. Isaac Newton obviously came up with great, many great inventions. One of them, if you're familiar with, is the, the prism. You know the prism, yes? How does the prism work? What does it do? Separates light, right? What, what happens? You, you bring in one ray of light and it does what? It breaks it down into primary colors, right? Interesting. Sir Isaac Newton, great revelation. You know what the Zohar talks about 2,000 years ago? That the light, the physical light, is containing all the colors of the spectrum. Again, 2,000 years ago, we say no, it doesn't right? You're crazy. So we like to, we. I like this example because I'd like to share with you something. Probably, again, it's not new to you. I'm sure it's not new to you. Everything that I'm going to share with you, mostly it's not going to be new to you. And that's the beauty of Kabbalah as well, that it shares such fundamental concepts, things that we know that are deep inside, they're true. Because that, as it beautifully says, truth resonates usually, right? So most of the things that we share at the center in Kabbalah, the essence is simple because truth should be simple. Truth resonates and is simple. A lot of times I hear it from students, wow, I knew it to be true, but I never heard it in that way or it was never that put that clear to me. Right? So the Kabbalists teach, by the way, anybody knows what Kabbalah means? <laughs> to receive, exactly, beautiful. So, It's interesting that you will call this mystical spiritual wisdom to receive, right? It doesn't even sound spiritual, right? It sounds selfish. Why would you call it to receive, right? Call it to share, call it to love. Why to receive? So the Kabbalists teach that our very essence, the stuff that we are made out of, it's called in Kabbalah desire to receive or a vessel. A vessel, just like this bottle here, right? The essence is, is a, there's, a, there's a vessel, there's a capacity to receive. And the consciousness of that bottle is, I want to receive, fill me up. The Kabbalah says, we are all walking desires. We're desires with legs. We're walking vessels, right? Each and every second, we want something, right? Even as we speak right now, you're probably thinking in your head, you know, what's the punchline? What is trying to convey you're thinking about dinner, you're thinking about what's gonna to be tomorrow. Right? We want every second, every breath we take, we want something. We cannot deny that desire. That's our essence. Right? And the Kabbas asked a very simple but profound question: what is it that we actually want? I mean, we do ask ourselves these questions once in a while. Starting the new year, the new year's resolutions, right? Or we come before Rosh Hashanah and say, okay, well, how was the year? What, what do I want, right? But how deep do we go with that? How clear are we on what is it that we actually want? Well, I want many things, right? Like we see here, right, on the spectrum. I, I want love. Can I ask you in the, in the crowd, in the room, what, what do you want? Feel free to scream out. Please. Love, yes, beautiful. What else? Somebody else. (laughs) Wisdom, beautiful. What else? Understanding. Yes. Yeah, clarity, right? Anybody for money? (laughs) I see one hand over there. The rest are too scared to admit, right? Oh, I thought we were doing here a spiritual thing. We don't mention that, uh, right? It's like... No, we're just all assuming that. Yeah, yeah we're assuming that, right? <laughs> okay, but in essence, what is the essence really of all these things, right? We see love, clarity, healing, feeling good, soulmate, peace of mind, understanding. If you break it down, what is it really in the nutshell that we want? Bottom line. What do all these things have in common? Is it tangible? Can we grab it? Can we hold it? No, right? All of these things are non-tangible things, correct? So, in essence, what we're talking about is, since it's not tangible, it's a form of energy. Would you agree with me? That it's a form, if it's non-tangible, it's a form of energy, right? And this energy right we experience every day this energy and we're looking for this energy day in and day out right from the moment we open our eyes to the moment we our our head hits the pillow we're looking to be filled up with that thing right so many different people try to look for different ways to fill themselves up some people think oh that person is going to give me that energy so i'm getting it for a while but then what happens doesn't, I don't feel it anymore, right? We're saying, I don't feel it. We don't have the same connection anymore. What connection are we talking about? What is that person gave me? Right. Or what is health? How come, you know, we can sit in a room, there's a virus, one person will catch it, the other won't. Why? Is it random? Right. What is health? What is immune system? Right. I can wake up one morning and feel super depressed, and the next day, nothing changed physically, but I wake up super motivated and excited. What, what changed? What did I had the day before? What didn't I have the day before that I now have? What, what makes the difference? So the Kabbalah says, if we are able to go to the root, and the Kabbalah likes to go to the seed, to the root, and connect to that, instead of chasing different colors like we see it here, right? Then, oh, you know what? What I really want is love. Let's call it red, right? So I say red, 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 red. I want red, red. Yes, red. You know? And then I realize, oh, you know what? But I realize uh, I also want, I want, uh, I want healing. So I want yellow. Today, next day, I want yellow. Yellow, 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 yellow. And we're chasing our own shadows, right? It seems like, can I have it? Wouldn't it be great to have it all? Why to settle? Do I really want to settle? I want healing, but I don't want prosperity. I want prosperity, but I don't want love. Why to settle? It's called Kabbalah because this wisdom is teaching us how to live our life in a way that we can connect to the source, that we don't have to settle. Because guess what? We weren't brought down here to this world to be miserable. We weren't brought down here to settle. It's not. That was not the thought of creation. Thought of creation was to give us all the abundance, everything. Of course, there's some work to do. It doesn't come for free. But that's the root. So in the same way that the physical light contains all the colors of the spectrum, the Kabbalists teach that what we call that energy that we said, that source of all blessings, of all miracles. In Kabbalah, we call it light. But we're talking about a spiritual light, not a physical light. It is basically, the, the Kabbalist says that it's hard for us to understand the Creator directly. The Creator is above us, beyond us. It's hard for us to, to connect. The same way, you know, if you want to plug in your iPad, you want to plug in your, your TV, you cannot go directly to the station, right? To the power station. It will blow off, right? It doesn't have the capacity but what the Kabbalah teach is what we can connect with. It's the light that emanates from the Creator. It's the energy that emanates from the Creator. And so in Kabbalah we learn different tools and different way of living and different consciousness to help us to live a life that is more and more and more gradually connected to the light of the Creator. So instead of being connected to different extensions, I want to go directly to the source. If I'm able to connect to the source, I'll be able to have it all. Does it make sense? So, how many of you heard about the tree of life? Okay, everybody. <laughs> okay, I thought so. <laughs> and we asked the question: where is that light? Right, let me ask, where where do you think that light is? I know you got all the answers, but we want to give them a chance to. The center of the body, okay, any other ideas? Where is that light? Everywhere, okay. If it's everywhere, why, and or within me, why don't, you know, let's make one thing clear. Being connected to the light means I'm 100% motivated, inspired don't have any fears, I have total clarity, total happiness, total connected to my purpose, wanting only to share and making a difference. Do we feel like that 24-7? <laughs> why not? The light is everywhere. Why can't I just connect? It's even within me and it's true. It is within me. So why not? Why don't we feel that all the time? How do we plug in? The right chord, okay. <laughs> so here I want to share with you this little example of, of the tree of life that the Ari, Rabbi Isaac Luria, reveals to us. Right? Everybody seen this picture before? Yes? The ten sefirot, as we call it, or the ten emanations. And when we go from bottom to up, right? That's the, the higher we get, the higher we go, Is more elevated consciousness. The lower we go, the more lower the consciousness is, okay? So, guess where we are? Yeah, I would love to believe that we are somewhere up there. I mean, if you want to believe that, that's, that's great. But I think for most of us, we are down here, right? You see that little black spot here, right? The little dark spot? That's where we live in. That's our playing field. The playing field, our playing field, this physical reality, right? This physical reality, or as my teacher, Rav Burke, would call it, we call it the 1% reality. Why 1%? It's beautiful. My teacher, Rav, used to love to connect science with spirituality in Kabbalah. And Rav would say, right? I mean, it's more than science. He said that, what is everything made out of? Atoms, right? What is an atom made out of? If you break it down, electrons and, electrons and neutrons, right? If you break it down, you have, you have, you have a molecule, right? You have uh, further and further, you break it down, and eventually the scientists will tell you you get to something, what they call empty space. Empty space. Now, they don't have another terminology, right? It's, a, it's something that you really can grasp, you really can see, even with a microscope. So what is that empty space if it's not matter? Energy. Energy, exactly. And what's more interesting than that is, you'll ask Mr. Scientist, okay, so how much of that matter that I see, this podium, how much of it is empty space? How much of it is, is, is matter? They'll tell you, you know what? As a matter of fact, 0.1111% is matter. And 99.99999% Is that empty space. What? You want to tell me that this physical thing here that I can grab and touch, this is is 99% of it is empty space, but I can hold it, I can touch it. And they will tell you, yes, it's part of the illusion. That most of this reality we cannot really conceive with our five senses. We can't really see. There are thousands of radio waves going around here. Do we see them? The world is turning right now. Do we feel it? Most of the things that are going on right now, we cannot conceive with our five senses. So the Rav would say that we split it down, these two realities. We'll give it a little, we round it up to 1% instead of 0.111, right? So we call it the 1% reality. The 1% reality in Kabbalah we refer to this physical reality, right, the lower, the tenth dimension. Also in Kabbalah, this emanation is called the Malchut, right, represented by King David, Malchut, because each of the patriarchs actually represented a certain emanation. They embodied a certain emanation. So when we talk about Malchut, it's also King David. As we go up, there's different patriarchs that refer, became chariots for these emanations. This one, for example, is Yesod, right? What is Yesod doing? Yesod is gathering all the energy from above and it's like the funnel to the physical reality. You know who represented Yesod? Joseph the righteous. And just like that in Egypt, he accumulated all of the wealth, all of the sustenance and was just a channel, was just a provider for it, acted just like Yesod. Yesod oftentimes also refers to as the sun. So whenever we read the Zohar, it's also a bit cryptic. So whenever we read in the Zohar, about the sun, it really talks about Zeran Pin or Yesod because it's the giver, it's the provider. Whenever in the Zohar we read about the moon, it really talks about our physical reality because it has no light of its own, just like the moon. It receives its light from the sun, from the upper worlds. Okay? So, this 1% reality, let's, let's grasp it for a second. What does it mean we live in a 1% reality? It means we live in the world of illusionary reality, a reality of five senses, a reality of what, the only thing that we see with our eyes are the effects, right? We just see the symptoms. And if we're trying to find a solution just in the 1%, it's close to a hopeless, right? When the doctor, God forbid, identifies a tumor with a person, when did it start? The moment the doctor identified it? Or it started way before, right? When there's a breakup in a relationship or a divorce, did it start in that second when they decide, when they file the papers of the divorce? Or people say, wow, wow. I didn't see it coming. They broke up with me. Well, there were all seeds planted all along the way. Now, what I see with my eyes is the result, is the effect, is the symptom, right? But if we continue to Orientate ourselves, using all our five senses, judging the book by its cover, and, and judging situations by what I see, it's only one percent, only one percent. And that's why confusion is coming from, because I don't see cause and effect in that reality. I just see the effect. So we're confused. You know, I shared I was such a good person, and then that happens. I'm confused? Maybe it doesn't pay off to be a good person, right? Maybe this whole thing doesn't work. If everything is random, randomness is only in the 1% reality. But this doesn't mean that there's a, there's a bigger picture. It's just that in that reality, we can't see the big picture. Part of the 1% reality is also the nature of it is instant gratification. Right? Everything in the physical, right? Not that it's bad, or not that we shouldn't, but if we... If that's our only frame of reference to get light and energy, we're running in the vicious cycle of short-term energy. And I'm not just talking about materialistic things like shopping or drugs or, or whatever that gives us instant gratification, but things even like uh, needing approval from others. It's also instant gratification, right? It's 1% energy. And the truth is that a lot of people out there are running after 1% energy and judging by 1%, judging by our five senses. The purpose of why we're here is slowly to elevate, but elevate how? Is there a certain ladder I can climb? It's an elevation of consciousness. And what we teach at the Kabbalah Center is tools and different ways of living and understanding and the wisdom by which I can elevate in a higher state of mind, higher level of consciousness where I can look at the situation and say, I know that this is what my five senses are telling me, but I know there's also a bigger picture here, for instance. Did it ever happen to you that something in your eyes was horrible that happened and it turned out later on to be one of the biggest blessings? After a few months, maybe a year. But you say, I'm so grateful that that happened, right? Because there was a bigger picture there, right? Vice versa is also true, right? We think it's so great and then it turns out to be the worst nightmare, right? So if I would, I, I would be able to see it before, it could save me a lot of time, a lot of wasted energy that I'm putting out there. So our job is really to elevate higher and, and, and understand it. And one of the ways, so we ask the question, right? How do we connect to that light, right? How do we elevate our consciousness and what's preventing us from connecting right we mentioned a few things but before we go ahead maybe what we can do you guys can um any questions so far by the way okay we will leave some time for questions at the end but uh maybe you guys can turn around to the person next to you and just summarize in your own words What we, what I shared with you so far, and see, maybe you find some answers to that question. Okay, spend two minutes. Okay, you guys are ready to continue? See, claro. (laughs) Okay. So again, just to summarize the last point that we talked about, is that there are these two realities, right? There's our physical reality. That's the playing field that we're in which is a world of randomness and confusion and temporary energy, right? And there's a higher, there are higher levels. And what we want to learn and live our life by, and how can I be more and more connected to the higher realm? Practically, in my day-to-day life, and not once in a while when I meditate or pray, but really constantly in my everyday life, in the most mundane situations, when I go grocery shopping, when I. You know, driving the highway and somebody cuts me off, right? And I go into anger mode, right? How am I able to see a bigger picture and be more connected what we call the 99%? When I'm connected to the light, when I'm connected to the 99%, then no matter what happens, I'm able to stay calm. I'm able to stay positive. I'm able to be happy. It doesn't affect me. If I'm connected to the 99%, I'm able to see the big picture and everything. If I'm connected to the 99, 99%, I'm not reacting to anything outside of me. Nobody's controlling me. I understand I'm my own creator. When I'm connected to the 99%, I have motivation. I'm inspired. I see the good in others. I'm motivated to do good and to share. That's how it feels like. We want to increase that connection and we do learn that it's not happening overnight, right, it's a journey, right, and so does the work with Kabbalah, it's not a hundred meter sprint, it's a marathon, right, it's a gradual process of learning, of understanding, of implementing, of transforming, right, it takes time, but at least I can say, and we want to be realistic, right, it's not that I'm going to study now Kabbalah and like within a week, I'm 100% connected and I don't need to worry anymore, right? That's it, I have my connection, I'm perfect. I'm even growing wings behind my back, right? No, it doesn't work like that, right? But you know what, if within a month, within a year, within five years, I grow my connection to the light, 30%, 40%, that's already amazing. That's already huge. So we want to be able to gauge in how... How close are we elevating or, or not? So, I want to introduce you to the next concept. okay? It's a Kabbalistic concept. You guys are good with that? Okay. Maybe some of you have heard about it. It's called Tikkun. Yes? Tikkun. What does Tikkun mean in its literal sense? To repair, to correct. Right? Correct. Now, Kabbas teach something very interesting. That... Before coming to this world, and this is something we go more in depth into in the foundation course that, that we teach. Again, I'm just giving you bits and pieces for a few things that I think are, are valuable and so you'll be able to get some value out of it. But, of course, in, 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 the, in the courses, there's more in detail to explain about. This uh, 1%, 99% in the first class of the foundation course, we have an all-hour and two hours about that. And the concept of tikkun we usually introduce in the in the fifth class of the foundation course. It's an eight weeks course. So, Tikkun, correction. Obviously we're not talking about correcting a washing machine or any, you know, my iPad. We're talking about the soul correction. Sometimes to correct physical objects, sometimes it's much easier, right? It comes with an instruction manual, right? Or you bring it to the store. But when we're talking about correcting our soul, how do we do that? Where do we turn to, right? Uh, Which store do we go to, right? So, in class number two in the foundation course, we go into way, way, way back in time, and we go to Kabbalistic writings from Rabbi Isaac Luria and share what happened before the Big Bang. What happened before the creation of this physical reality? I'm not talking about just the story of, of Genesis, but really the spiritual dynamics. The Kabbalah teach that before creation, there was only light, the infinite force of goodness, the light that wanted to share. And out of his goodness, it created someone to receive from, a recipient, we call it the vessel, right? We mentioned it before. And that reality exists perfectly in harmony, a desire to share, a desire to receive, beautiful, right? Beautiful relationship. That reality we also call the endsof, the endless reality. Now, I don't want to burst any bubble, but probably you realize that we're not in that reality anymore, right? We don't just think about something and right away it pops up, right? Now there's a process. I want something, now I experience first the lack of it, right? There needs to be a process, in Kabbalah, we learn why. We, answer, we question a lot in Kabbalah. We actually encourage students to ask why. Because we want to know. We want to know. We don't want to be robotic. Why? Why is there a process now? Why can't I be just in the endless and everything can be good? Why do I need this process? So I just mentioned it. We we'll go more in depth in it in the class, but it's connected to what we call we want, the vessel wanted to earn the fulfillment. The vessel wanted to feel like I'm the cause. Because in that endless reality, I just received without doing anything. So instead, which was 100% fulfillment. But you know what? We wanted 101. There was one thing that we didn't get in that reality, which was the feeling that I'm earning it. The feeling that it's because of me, I'm doing something for it. And so before coming then to this world, we needed sort of like an excuse to correct something to help us to earn the fulfillment, to earn the light. And so I like to use this example, imagine like something like this, like a ball, right? And before our soul come to this world, had a big reach into this ball and picked out something. And that thing is different issues, different things to correct. And whereby today we maybe look at these things and try to neglect them and try to shove them out under the carpet or to avoid it. This is actually the biggest key to our success and the biggest key for finding a fulfillment in our life. And we'll go a little bit more deeper in it. For instance, here it says, needing to be validated. So imagine a person comes to this world, right? They don't know it, right? I mean... The Zora says that while the baby is in the womb, there's an angel that teaches them all the secrets of the universe. But then before coming to this world, it gives them a hit on the upper lip and forgets everything. So deep inside, we have this information. We know it. But we need to earn it. We need to go through a process. We need to go through something. So imagine the soul come to this world and all the lesson that they, their life's purpose, their lesson in life, the one thing they need to get into correct is not needing to be validated by other people, to find the security within and don't need anyone else to agree with them or to validate their opinion, right? To be totally fine, doing the right thing, knowing that they're going to be criticized can be very difficult, right? But that can be a lesson. That can be a lesson. So I wanted to simulate that and give everyone of you a chance to pick up one. Yes, Uh, everyone can pick up one. And what's interesting is I found it when I did this uh, seminar before that oftentimes what we pick up now, it might be a connection to what we picked up in the upper worlds, in the endless worlds. So let's see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <room> <laughs> screen- that's here. <laughs> <not my> <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got one? Yes. Yes. Anybody had any insights or want to share something? (laughs) I saw some faces, so I know for sure some people had some insights now. Yes, please. Okay. You have something to share? Yeah, we'll wait for you. So you think by it's <laughs> not by any coincidence that we picked along the clip. Maybe. Yeah. Right. It could also be right, uh oh, this this is not me, but I know a person that's perfect for them, right? <laughs> 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 not me, of course. Not us. It's other people, right? We don't have these issues. <coughs> <laughs> I was thinking that we have ah, maybe it was it was cut off. But I think it should say fear, fear of your true self. Well, Oh, you got the other part. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, maybe that's the message for you. If you something else. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Anyone else? Any insights? Sarah, you want to share about your son? No, you said that it matched. My son. Yeah. Elijah. He knows it. all does not. You know what? And he probably does know it all. <laughs> Yes, so here's the thing with tikkun, right? On the one hand, it's something, right? When I ask anybody who wants to share, it's like, no way, right? <laughs> Nobody, like, the tikkun is probably not something that we're super proud of, right? And yet we think we have, we're the only ones who have one, right? We all have one, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. It's a precondition that we have one before we enter this world. We picked something, right? So we're not, we're not proud of it. Our ego probably doesn't want to admit it, right? But there's nothing to be ashamed of or feel guilty for because we all have something, right? Actually, the closer we get in identifying in our lifetime what it is, the closer we get to our purpose. And the closer we get to really breaking through patterns, repetitive negative patterns, and the closer we get to our real fulfillment, right? Right? The fulfillment is sort of like waiting there, but there's a door and there's a lock and finding out tikkun is the key to unlock it, right? The paradox is that most of us don't want to even look at it, right? Want to avoid it. Maybe there's a way to find fulfillment without the key. Maybe there's a way to be happy without, uh, you know, digging into these things, right? Maybe I'll just pray. Maybe that will be good enough. You know, maybe I'll just give charity. Maybe that's good enough, right? Remember this, this thing here, right? We are here. So, sure, there are meditations and prayers that are very useful, but unless I don't transform my nature, unless I don't find what it is that I need to overcome, I cannot really create that bridge. I'm I'm still stuck there, right? So I can be praying, I can be a good person, but to really, really to connect to my purpose without finding my tikkun, without finding what I came here to in this lifetime to change, to work on, to transform, it will be very difficult. So what happens? What happens? How does it unfold when I pick a certain tikkun, when, when I have a certain tikkun, let's say? How does it, how will I feel it? How would I experience it in my day-to-day life? So I want to, this, just to show you a, a slide to demonstrate how much, Everything in our life evolves around our tikkun. Everything. Everything. So here we have them again, the different ones, right? Whether it's fear of rejection or anger or jealousy, here's the one, right? Fear of showing your true self, Uh, neediness, right? Jealousy, pride, fear of commitment, um, you name it, right? You name it. And there are many, many more, of course, right? So, we think, oh, yeah, that, that's something that I have, it's one trait, but you know, I will continue to be a good person and that's good enough, right? We lack, we're missing out on something. And that's why there are certain things that happen over and over again and we don't know why. Because there's a certain lesson that we came to learn. So, let's take one for instance, right? So we're picking the tikkun of fear of being alone, okay? Let's say this is a tikkun, right? Some people struggle with that, right? Not people here, outside, right? <laughs> Other people. Some people that we know, friends or family, right? Could struggle with that, right? Let's say this is really the confining tikkun of a person. How would their movie called Life look like, right? So literally the soul before coming to this world, we pick the scenario according to what? What's going to help me do my tikkun, Right? So let's say that soul that has the fear of abandonment or fear of being alone said, looks down and say, what type of family would I choose? That family they're really trying to get pregnant for a long time and I will be the only child and finally get, oh, they will give me too much attention. You know? They will give me too much love. It will be great, but it won't help me in my tikkun. I won't have maximum light from that. That's not the opportunity I'm looking for. Oh, what about that family, right? One out of 10, two hardworking uh, people, never have time, always uh, neglected. Yeah, that, that's probably, that looks good. I'll pick this family. Where they're living, which family, where they're gonna live. You know, countryside, lots of time to spend with family. No, no, no. New York, hectic, busy. Nobody has time for anybody, right? You need to fight for your own. Okay, that looks good. I'll be born there. Deal, right? So everything, our environment, it's set in a way that will help me with my tikkun. And it is, of course, with family, but even the day-to-day people that we interact with, it's perfectly designed. Every day, it's perfectly designed to help me do my correction. So if a person is tremendously impatient, probably will pick the line that will take the longest time. (laughs) Right? say, so, well, why did I pick this line, right? And we can just be blind. If we're blind to the fact that this is my tikkun, there will be repetitive patterns. For instance, in relationship, what type of people will a person draw to themselves when their tikkun is fear of being alone? Well, how would the relationships will look like? <laughs> right? I don't understand, right? I started, started this relationship. Everything looked promising. And then they left me. I, I really, no clues, no, 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 no warnings, right? And you know what? That person, let's call him Peter, with the black hair and, 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 and brown eyes. And I started to date another person, right? Again, it went so well, it went so nice. And that second person by the name Steve, and he was blonde and blue eyes, but you know what? Somehow he reminded me of somebody. Oh, yeah, the person from before and before. So the name changed, the character changed, but the same buttons are being pushed, the same patterns are being repeated. For what? Maybe it's a conspiracy out there, right? Maybe they're all trying to, you know, they all gathered one day and said, how can we make that person's life miserable, right? How can we make her or him feel abandoned and and alone? Maybe. Or maybe it's a pattern. Maybe it's a tikkun. Maybe it's something that I need to look inside and say, what do I need to change? And you know what's the beautiful thing about it? Yes, on the one hand, it's hard to admit, isn't it? We don't want to look at these things. But you know what's the beautiful side of that is? Once we do acknowledge it, and not from a place of shame or guilt, and saying, yeah, that's what I'm here for. And we're able to just identify it, first of all. We're already shifting to a different movie. We're shifting to a different movie. Suddenly, suddenly, right, I will attract different people. Once I say, you know what, I can't be so needy, I cannot be so dependent. And I realize how I pushed them actually away, the more needy I became. You know what, enough with this neediness. I don't, I don't need them. I want to come into the relationship as a giver, not for them to fill me up. If that, I made that switch in my consciousness, We learn in Kabbalah, consciousness creates reality. I will attract a different person guaranteed in my life because I learned the lesson. Because I learned the lesson. Life is just about getting my tikkun and making the switch. What's the other alternative? Blame, complain, being miserable, being a victim, or maybe trying to find ways to manipulate somehow to get what I want, but it won't last for very long. Can only fake it and manipulate it for that long. Okay. So, how, from a scale of 1 to 10, how important do you think it is to A, identify our tikkun and spend some time on transforming it? Absolutely, right? Absolutely. How much time, relatively, do most people spend on finding their tikkun? Yeah, but consciously? Barely, right? And we're, we're surprised why our life is in the loop, why there's no changes, why there's certain areas that are still lacking, and why, of course, you, you're not connected to your life's purpose. You know? You're not finding you know, what your soul came here to correct. What are the odds? What are the chances? Right? So those were a few concepts, of Kabbalah, that I wanted to share with you, and I hope you find meaning and value in it, even just these thoughts. And... Just wanted to share as well, just to give you a few points, if it's okay with you. It's okay I share a few points from, from the things that we cover in the, in the foundation course that we touched upon a few pieces. So we learn about our life's purpose in the foundation course, um, more in depth in class five about recognizing and begin to work on our tikkun, um, something we didn't really talk about today, but transforming our nature from reactive to proactive. Kabbalah teaches that our nature, our essence, is we're very reactive human beings, right? Something happens, you know, short fuse. Whether we react with anger or sometimes we suppress things, which is just as bad, too. It's also reactive, right? Sometimes we run away from responsibilities. It's still reactive, right? So we learn and we actually go through a formula how to transform any type of reaction that comes at me, right? The people pushing the buttons, how I'm able to stop that reaction and to turn it into something positive, to turn it into proactive behavior, to really start to take control of our own thinking, our own actions. It really starts there to start with the consciousness by the way we think, by the way we, 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 we speak, and the way we feel to transform on all levels. In class number six and seven, we talk uh, whole two classes dedicated towards understanding the balance between sharing and receiving. And what's the Kabbalistic consciousness behind sharing? Is it just a nice thing to do, ethically, morally correct? Or maybe there's something more to it. Maybe there's actually a technology behind it. Once you understand the consciousness behind sharing, and how can we use it as a way to fill our lives with more light and to connect to more light? And, of course, we learn many, many transformational tools on a soil level, on a seed level, to help us make the bridge to a more powerful connection to the light. So that's about it. Uh, if you need more information, if you want to check out the foundation course, we have little flyers here. You can also ask Sarah. She has them here. And uh, the foundation course is on February 4th. It's an eight-week course. I'll be here every other week to teach it. And the other times we're streaming it live from Dallas. And it's just been uh, so nice being here and seeing faces, all the new. And uh, again, thank you so much for Sarah for organizing it, for Rod to opening the doors here. And uh, I just hope that we could all... Uh, learn spirituality, being inspired by it, whatever path we're choosing for ourselves, whatever works for us, and uh, and bring more and more light to the world.